This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and another weekly visit with you, Mike, here in the studio. And always fun to talk with you and then the guests who join us as well. And it's great to be back together again after nine years of yeah. being apart. Yeah, and we're kind of blending some of the old programs with new material. So this is now. This is new for us right now. Isn't it? I feel like we picked up right where we left off. Isn't that uh, amazing? Yeah, but well, we've we've always been friends, and yeah. you know that when nothing that, changed in that regard. No, at least from my vantage point. No, over those nine years, we kept in touch, and and, <laughs> right. and Joe was always kind of yeah. there so who's uh, on the other side of the glass right now yeah so uh yeah and i love this process of putting pieces together we have new things we have uh some especially music from the past that uh i've been surprised at how how well it holds up well it was all recorded live performance in mm-hmm. the studio mm-hmm. so it, you worked very hard at that and it, it's really another chance for us to look at the big picture and to pick uh new material and old material that comes together in terms of themes, and I think this program for me is a really good example of that. We're gonna we're gonna look at L- Lament, mm-hmm. and uh, which is uh, which has a huge community piece to it. A lot of the laments are uh, communal laments. We lament together uh, to God. And in the second half of the program, we're going to talk with uh, Jenny Owens, who is one of my favorite songwriters. Really look forward to that. And and we we write songs together, and if, and for us, creativity has been something that can came out of community. So, um, yeah, I really like the way this show comes together. That's our three-point outline you just mentioned, commentary, community, and creativity. We're kind of combining the commentary and community here in the lament theme today. Let me ask you, the teaching we're going to hear you give was taken from an actual lament conference. Uh Uh, How is the lament conference different from the Biblical Imagination Conference? Well, uh, the the content has to do with uh, Old Testament lament. It's, um, it's, it's, It's basically an overview of the issue of... Uh, if 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 God is a good God, then uh, why do people suffer? If uh, you know, we talk a lot about Job. If someone like Job, who is righteous, who keeps the commandments, and yet his life falls apart, uh, we'll look at Psalm seventy-three, where uh, Asaph says, "You know, I've washed my hands in innocence, but you know, the wicked are prospering, and I'm suffering." And uh, and what do we do with that? And uh, the the Bible has a lot to say about that. And we have some wonderful examples from people like Job and David and Jeremiah and Jesus. Lament is a big part of Jesus' life. Yeah. I have to say that uh, producer Joe here picked one of my favorite songs that you've ever done uh-huh. to open our program with today, Come Lift Up Your Sorrows. It's my favorite. Is of it? all the ones I've done, yeah, it's my I just, favorite. I, I really, every time you sing this, yeah. it just comes back to me anew yeah. uh, how important it is you know, to share the, the, the struggles with Jesus as well. And know? it's the theme song of the Lament Conferences. Yeah, okay. We're going to hear that in a moment as you recorded it live in the studio with Scott Brazier, who was here that day a number of years ago. Um, one thing we have now at our disposal is Facebook, and we often talk about the fact that Facebook, there are good things and bad things about it. it yes. It's a virtual community. Yeah, it's, and we, it, we want you to know that we don't think Facebook is community, you know, face-to-face, hard interaction, but it does help us build community. Serves a purpose. We can use it for Yeah, we feel that. And we have a Facebook page where we want our listeners to interact with other listeners and ourselves, and we'd love to have you go there. Facebook.com slash Michael Card Music is the address. Or you can always email us or check us out online at michaelcard.com. The email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. You're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you're everywhere. Yeah, so. well, these days you have to do that. You have yeah. to have that presence on the internet. But again, the the main point is that it's it's kind of a virtual community. It's, yes. It's, it's, it doesn't really make a, a human connection the way we, that face-to-face does. And we can't allow ourselves to let that become a substitute for real community. Right. Yeah. Well, let's go to the song, Come Lift Up Your Sorrows, and then afterwards we'll switch right to your teaching, Introduction to Lament from the Lament Conference. Michael Card here in the studio today. But right now, Come Lift Up Your Sorrows. Find the worth of God 
journey of scripture from Torah to Revelation from Job 1 to the end of book I think it's 42 or 43 I can never remember Psalm 1 to Psalm 150 and here's the journey from Torah what's what's called Torah obedience Torah and this is the uh, this is the equation if I am obedient God will bless me if I'm disobedient God will punish me that's Torah right Here's the, here's the commands. If you obey them, I will bless you. If you disobey them, I will... I like to say discipline you, but then I got two Ds, so I got a P there for punish you. Okay? Don't want to have two Ds. Uh, my, my oldest daughter, Katie, she's 30 years old now. When she was little, and uh, she, I would go into her room and I'd say, Honey, you clean up your room, I'll give you some M&Ms. If you don't clean up your room, 
I'm going to spank you. That's Torah. That's Torah. And that's where our journey, I'm saying the Bible takes us someplace. And the journey always begins here. It begins with Torah. The problem is, this is where some people stay. And they think that all God is, is the M&M man. That God is just the person who gives me stuff when I'm good and whacks me when I'm bad. And on every page of the Bible, God is saying, how could you think that that's all I am? Because the journey, uh, He's taking us towards intimacy. Towards His presence. Okay? So, uh, when, if, when Katie comes over to our house now and brings my granddaughter, Eliane, who's awesome, um, if I were to say to my 30-year-old daughter, Honey, clean up your room. Daddy's going to give you some in If not, Daddy's going to spank. That'd be kind of sick, wouldn't it? Why? Because in her 30 years with me, she's learned that I'm more than the M&M man. Right? We have an intimacy. Our father and daughter. I mean, I love this girl. She's so elegant and so beautiful. She's awesome. Um, so this is, this is the journey that the Bible's taking us on. Okay? And I think this is fairly self-evident. I don't think this is hard. I think this is pretty self-evident. There's not much you can disagree with. But the, que- the big question is, What's that middle part? And that middle part is wilderness. I have good news and bad news. This is the bad news. And wilderness is a major theme. Old and New Testament. Wilderness is a major theme. The good news is, this is where we learn to worship God. Um, Is it Exodus? Got it right here. Exodus 7. Uh, 16, the last thing that um, God says through Moses to Pharaoh, Exodus 7, 16, let, me, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. And the word worship, the old English word, it really means worth-ship. Worth-ship, that's where the word comes from. And in the wilderness, what happens? When they're hungry, manna. Right? Manna. That's a really interesting word. We're doing great on time. Can I share the word manna in Hebrew? It's one of my favorite words. Uh, in, in Hebrew, a question mark uh, is ma. Okay, that means what? Ma. Okay. If you look at a Jewish person, say maze. You go, well, what's going on? Okay. So that's the ma of manna. It's a question mark. Okay. Uh, an exclamation point in Hebrew is na. Hosanna. It's O or it's exclamation point. Uh, Hosanna. Uh, um, Maranatha, na, okay? So that's na. So a literal translation of, of uh, the word manna is a question mark and an exclamation point. Is that not cool? Okay, that won't be on the test. But I just think that's so cool. Mana, because they see this stuff that congeals on the ground in the morning. They go, huh, what? What is, you know, there's no word for it. So mana, so... When they're hungry, manna and quail. When they're thirsty, uh, water from a rock. And when they're threatened by their enemies, what does God say? God says, just stand still and watch this. So in the wilderness, they learn what God is worth. And you can't worship Him until you know what He's worth. Worship is always a response. right? It's unfortunate that we start our worship services with worship. We should start with the preaching and end with Worship, because we're always responding uh, to to the worth of God. So that's that's one thing that the wilderness does for us. The other thing that the wilderness does for us, it establishes our sonship, uh, sonship, or our daughterhood. Daughterhood. In Hosea, Hosea says, "Out of Egypt I have called my." Son. The sonship of Israel is established in the wilderness. And the same thing is true in the life of Jesus. Um, the story of, of the, uh, um, the temptation and the, and, I mean, the story of the baptism and the temptation, that's really one story. There are lots of stories in the Bible that get divided by a chapter break. That's one story. You don't understand that story if you look at one at a time. They really go together. What happens in the baptism of Jesus, he's in the wilderness, by the way, uh, Judean wilderness, uh, and 
He goes down in the water, and God speaks. What does God say? You're my son. He says what every parent should say to their child. You're my, you're my son or daughter, and I'm well pleased with you. You know, we need to hear that every day from our parents. So the, God uh, uh, speaks the sonship of Jesus. And the very next thing that happened, Mark says the Holy Spirit drives Jesus. It's the same word that's used of Jesus driving out demons. The Spirit drives Jesus to the wilderness where his sonship is challenged by Satan. What does Satan say before every one of the temptations? If you're God's son, then do this. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus will use his power to feed other people. He won't use his power to feed himself. Very important if you can understand the character of Jesus. He will not use his power for himself. You know? uh, and then the, the other temptation to throw yourself off the temple and all the things that happen. But they're all, uh, you can combine all the four Gospels. It doesn't happen uh, in uh, two of the Gospels. The third one, he doesn't say if you're God's son, but it's kind of implied. But basically his sonship is established in the wilderness through the temptation. Our sonship, our daughterhood is established in the wilderness. So I would think, I think that's a pretty strong case for the importance of the wilderness. Because this is where we all are, whether you know it or not. You're in the wilderness. We were, we were created to wake up in a garden. And every morning we wake up in a fallen world. What's left of it is still pretty cool. We are in the wilderness, and lament is the language of the wilderness. It's the language that we, uh, we need to uh, learn. Okay, let's look at some categories. First category is presence, and this is always the answer. This is very important. We learn this from the book of Job. Uh, what is the miracle of the book of Job? The miracle of the book of Job is the movement of God. That's the miracle. In chapter 1, where is God? He's in heaven, throne room scene. Satan, you know, you know he only, he's only, he's only obeys you because you do good stuff for him, basically. Satan accuses, that's what Satan, Satan means accuser. He's accusing Job and sort of accusing God that, you know, Job is only good because you give him stuff. You take that stuff away and he will curse you to your face. And God says, no, I know Job's a righteous man. There's no one like him. The book of Job is not a test so that God can find out whether Job is going to do the right thing or not. I mean, he's God, right? He doesn't do tests like that. That's not how he works. But the, the book of Job teaches us the, that the answer is always God showing up. The answer is always God showing up. The answer is not an answer. Job asks lots of questions, doesn't he? And they're really good questions. I mean, he has every right. You know that equation that I showed you? Job, he's been obedient. Blessing, disobedient, punishment. Well, he's been obedient. What's happened to him? He's being punished, right? Um, and we'll look at Psalm 73 too. We'll close with Psalm 73. It, it has all of these elements in it. So um, Job asks all these questions, and they're good questions. And when God finally shows up, the movement of God from heaven to being with Job, my ears had heard about you, but now my eyes see you. God shows up. It's presence. And God doesn't answer a single one of Job's questions. In fact, God asks questions, and his are way harder than any of Job's questions, right? The point is not the answer. And when you're suffering and when you're confused, my sister, believe me, she had lots of questions when that second baby died. And if you think the Bible is an answer book, it's, it doesn't work that way. The answer is God showing up. And this is also, by the way, incarnation. I mean, ultimately, what is, how does God answer us? He shows up in Jesus. Okay? So presence is a very important uh, category when, we're, when we'll look at, uh, and like I said, we'll close with Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is like the map. It illustrates all this stuff. Okay, so, uh, so presence is very important. Um, Esed, oh boy. I spent the last 10 years working on this word. I used to want to understand the whole scope of, of the Bible. Now if I can understand this one word, I'm going to be good. Uh, Hesed, uh, I, I discovered this word from working through laments. Uh, all of the laments transition. One of the interesting things about laments is they start uh, lament, 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 and then sometimes it's verse 3, sometimes it's verse 50, but there's a turn. And it, it, it goes from I to thou. 
I'm, you know, I've been good and I've suffered and, you know, these bad people, they're prospering. And we'll see this in Psalm 73. And then at some point you sort of exhaust yourself against God. That's what the laments do. They, they invite you to come exhaust yourself against God. Come kicking and screaming. And when he says, when you're done, are you finished yet? When you're done, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show you my face and my presence. And we're going to, we're going to deal with this together. Okay. So the reason I discovered Hesed is in three of the major laments, that transition happens when this word Hesed comes up. Uh, the big one is in Lamentations, the big long Lamentations of Jeremiah. And in chapter 4, the transition where it goes from, from lament to praise, it's all worship, by the way. Even when you're lamenting, that's worship. Um, because if you're Hesed, we're not destroyed. Um, uh, Psalm 13 and Psalm 69 are the other two that transition at this word. And, and I just found, in the first place, I didn't know what it meant. Uh, and I, a, a scholar that I really admire, Bruce Waltke, I asked him uh, about this word. He said, oh, that's the defining characteristic of God. I said, what? No, this is the word that God uses to define himself. So I was on it. So I've been on Hesed. I actually just finished a book on this, and it broke my brain. The reason I can't speak in complete sentences right now is my brain's broken. But Hesed is very much, uh, in fact, when I, Hesed, I'm not saying this is an incomplete, Hesed is the final piece of this equation, actually. It's almost like a unifying theory. Uh, Hesed is, is, uh, is a principle that, that uh, kind of holds everything together. Jesus is Hesed incarnate. Uh, his, the cross was sort of the ultimate expression of Hesed. It's translated in six different English translations. This one word is translated 169 different ways. I've got a list if you want me to read them to you. I, sometimes I'll read all 169 just for effect. But it's, uh, it's mercy, it's grace, it's love, it's loving kindness, covenant loyalty. Uh, the word loving kindness was made up in uh, 1535 by Miles Coverdale to translate this word. Loving kindness was made up. It didn't exist before someone tried to translate this word. That's where loving kindness comes from. A lot of it has to do with kindness. It's translated a lot of different ways. Yes, it is. The biggest range of meaning of any word, I think, uh, in any language. So it's, it's, a, it's a big word, hesed. Um, yeah, Psalm 13, Psalm 69, and Lamentations 3. And the big place where you start with hesed is Exodus 34. This, and when, when God defines himself to Moses, the second time Moses goes up the mountain, the first time Moses goes up the mountain, he gets the Ten Commandments, he gets mad and busts them, Right? His face isn't shining when he comes down the first time. He comes back up in chapter 34, and God reveals himself, puts him in the cleft of the rock, covers him up, and reveals himself. Okay? Uh, the first word out of God's mouth when he reveals himself isn't glory. Of course, we know God's glorious or powerful or even holy. The first word out of God's mouth is compassionate. I'm, I'm compassionate. Slow to anger and full of hesed. And then he says, I show hesed to a thousand generations. So the word gets used twice. And I suggest to you, my, my friend George Guthrie taught me to do this. I suggest to you that the big surprise of, of the Hebrew Bible is, well, the big surprise of the New Testament is that Jesus is a slave. He comes as a slave. He takes on the form of a slave. Philippians 2, 6-11, doulos, slave, not a servant, slave. He dies like a slave. He washes their feet. No one, no one saw that coming. I mean, the, the glorious Messiah, right? Well, that's what we all expect, right? No one saw the humility of Jesus and the, his death. 30 pieces in Deuteronomy is the price for a slave. He lives very much the life of a slave. That's the big surprise. The big surprise of the Old Testament is that God is kind. All-powerful, I get that. That's God, right? Holy, glorious. That's, that's the dictionary definition of God. But kind? Nobody saw this coming. In, in Luke 6, Jesus says, God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. It's the most, I think it's the most remarkable thing he ever said. Not God is love, and that God loves the ungrateful and wicked, because he is love, so he's kind of got to love us, right? Because he is love. But no, he's kind. He's kind. Paul says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. You realize this surprising thing that God is really kind. That's the big, I think that's the big surprise of, of the Hebrew Bible. So anyway, so there's Hesed, and Hesed is very important uh, in, in the Psalms in general. 
It, it appears 248 times in the Old Testament, 136 of those times are in the Psalms. So Hesed is primarily something you sing about. Okay, so there's, there's, uh, there's Hesed. Um, formula of remembrance. Uh, this is in your notes. I'll just say remembrance. And then the, the Vav will be the last one. Um, a lot of times what we have in, in, the, uh, in the middle of a lament is the, the lamentor, and Mary actually does this in her song in uh, Luke. Um, when everything's really bad and God seems, you know, you, you can't understand what he's doing and why things are as bad as they are, they'll stop out and they'll say, but I remember, remembrance, I remember you were with our fathers in the wilderness. I remember how you led them out with a strong and mighty hand. And Mary, I forget what Mary says, but she, she talks about God being faithful to Abraham in her little song there in the Magnificat in Luke. The formula of remembrance. And so the way this functions in a lament is when in, it helps me to hang on. I remember that God showed His hesed, He showed His mercy in the past, and it gives me hope to hold on a little bit more. And you're going to see all these things, okay? I just, I just need to bring these up to you. And finally, uh, this Vav. This is a Hebrew letter, Vav. Uh, it's usually translated and, but sometimes it, it is translated uh, but, uh, or sometimes then. It's, uh, it's, it's an adversative, this, adversely, that. And when, when that transitions, I told you they all transition except one. Psalm 88 laments all the way to the end. That's the only one. It's just there to mess up my theory. It would be so nice and clean if it went for Psalm 88. But anyway, uh, when, when the transition happens, there's always this line, this vav. It's just a line. Um, so, lament, 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 but you, O Lord, and the transition happens. Okay. We're going to continue Michael's teaching from the Lament Conference coming up in a moment. He'll open up to Psalm 73, and we'll take a look at that together. If you'd like more information about the Lament Conference and the Biblical Imagination Conference, go online to michaelcard.com. That's also where you'll find information about Michael's books and music, his concert schedule, all at michaelcard.com. Now, coming up next on the program, we'll continue our study of Lament, and we'll talk with singer-songwriter Ginny Owens. It's all ahead here in the studio with Michael Card. Stay with us. invite you back into the studio now. We were hearing from Michael Card when we took a break a moment ago from the Lament Conference. Let's go back to that for just a few moments, and then Ginny Owens will join us on the topic of creativity here, and Michael will sing a song as well coming up in the studio. But let's go to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is the exact center of the Psalter. You know the Psalter is a collection of collections. It's divided into five books, and 73 is the last psalm of book, it's the first psalm of book three. It's in the right in the middle, okay. And I don't think that's by accident. I think seventy-three. Of course, I re- my academic reason is I really want it to be this way, but I think seventy-three is it illustrates everything I'm talking about. It really is a, a roadmap of, of of everything we've looked at tonight. So let's look at it. Psalm seventy-three, and this is Asaph. And Asaph, by the way, I think in First Chronicles when he's given his his marching orders. Uh, the, the, his, his theme that he's supposed to sing about is that God's hesed endures forever. That's the theme that Asaph is given to sing about. So I think that's pretty cool. Okay. God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. What's that? That's Torah. Right, that's Torah. If you're good, if you're pure in heart, God's be good to you. Okay? So that's where we start. But, as for me, my feet almost slipped. Uh, My steps nearly went astray, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The equation is not working for me. Bad people are, are, you know, uh, disobedient people are being blessed. We, you know, Houston, we have a problem. They... Notice, he used the word God in verse 1. He won't use the word God until verse 17. So he's going to moan about other people and about himself now for 17 verses. So get ready. 
They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the cancer rate is as high among bad people as it is among good people? I'll just leave you with that. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. That's a good thing, by the way. Being fat in the Old Testament is a good thing. That means you're rich. Okay? This is a world where there aren't very many fat people. Right? The people who are fat are rich, so that's a good thing. The imaginations of their heart run wild. They mock, they speak maliciously, they arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and, and their tr- tongues strut across the earth. One of my favorite images is because I can't imagine it. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their words, their overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? So now they're mocking God. They're, they're wealthy and they're, they're, they're fat, they're well-fed, they're rich, and they're mocking God. That, what happens when you mock God? You know, he kills you. He's supposed to kill you. Look at them, the wicked. They're always at ease, and they increase in their wealth. Okay, so he's kind of done for now about talking about them. Now he's going to talk about himself some more. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I'm afflicted all day long and am punished every morning. By the way, morning is when hesed comes. One of the themes in the Psalms is that hesed comes in the morning. So, no, but I was punished every morning. If I decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. That's Ecclesiastes, by the way. Until, but then, there's a turn. I entered God's, there's the first time he's used the word God in 17 verses. Until I entered God's sanctuary. What is that? Presence. I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you. Now, in the, in the lament literature, we have a new name for God. You. Direct address. He's talking directly to God. Okay? Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. So in essence, you're going to take care of the wicked. That's not my thing. That's your thing. Here comes his apology. And Job apologizes. You know, I said things I shouldn't have said. I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. The point is, those things still needed to be said. And those words of complaint, those bitter words, are part of God's perfect world. Bonhoeffer says, God takes the complaints of men and makes them Holy Scripture. So when I became embittered and my inmost being was wounded, I was stupid and I didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal to you. Here's the big turn. Here's the vav. In this translation, it's yet. Yet, I am always with you. What's that? Presence. See? He has exhausted himself against God. And God has shown up. I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me up into glory. I ask myself, is this the same guy that said those first 17 verses? What has happened? A transformation has happened in this man. And it's the, it's the result of lament. He has lifted up his anger and his bitterness as an act of worship. And he's gone through this turn. And he's come back into the presence of God. That's how lament works. It's a difficult conversation. It's a difficult conversation. Okay. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me up into glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. See, he's made that switch from I to thou. Uh, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. And the, the word good in Hebrew is, is a lot, it means a lot more than our word good. When uh, Moses asked God to show him his glory, God says, I'm going to show you my goodness. The, the glory that he sees is the glory of God's goodness. So tov, it's the word tov. 
good, it's, a, it's a big word. I've made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. David does that. David makes little promises at the ends of his lament. I'm going to tell people about you. you know, I'll, I'll be good. I'll stop complaining and I'll tell people about you. What a friend for sinners. Thank you, Michael. Hey, it's very special to have Ginny Owens on the line yes, with us here. My old friend. Yeah, we, we toured together some, but uh, most uh, most of all, we've written some songs together. And uh, I always I can always count on Ginny's youthful enthusiasm to finish songs. She's uh, She's got a lot of great energy when we write together. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I have, you know, it's an honor to get to work with you. So, Well, we want the inside just... scoop on that, Ginny. So what is it really like to work with Michael? Oh, it's amazing. You know, I, uh, I, I'm sure that you hate when people say this, but although I've, I've actually come because I'm now hearing it and, and I've come to be okay with it. But I remember as a, as a, as a kid listening to Michael Card songs and yeah. his, and Michael Card tapes, and uh, so it has been really special yeah. to, to get to know Mike, and yeah. then also to just be able to share in the writing process. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. an honor! There I- are. There are, you know, just a few people that I feel that way about, but there's a little bit of pinching yourself and saying, wow, I can't believe this is actually happening right now. Yeah, yeah. I grew up listening to Michael, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're my mother's favorite musician. I hear that a lot these days. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hear it some, too. Jenny, what are some of the collaborative things you've done with Mike? Michael and I, uh, our first write together was a song called All I've Ever Done mm-hmm. uh, about the woman at the well. And it was so fun to, I remember actually sending Mike some, just a, a music idea and no idea what the lyric would be. And so then to hear what he painted in that lyric was pretty incredible. And then to get to sing that with him on stage was, was super cool as well. Yeah, it worked out really cool because, so she was the woman at the well and I sang, of course, I sang the Jesus part. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> Typecast but, again. <laughs> but but Jenny's Probably not... true in a lot of ways. Well, well usually, you know, there's a there's a music person and a words person. I'm a words person, uh, but Jenny can do both things. So the cool thing is, like, we, we just wrote another song together for a new uh, thing on Chesed that I'm working on. And and she sent me the music, but it already had some words, and they were great. They were great words, and so um, uh, I built everything around her words. So that's that's one of the that's one of the kind of rare parts of her gifts. You yeah. can do both things. Well, you both um, you, you let the scripture uh, define what you do musically and lyrically, right? Jenny, is that mm-hmm. true for you too? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, I feel like especially, and I wrestle with this quite a bit, especially in with current uh, contemporary Christian music, you know, there's... Um, if, I, if I'm going to listen to to Christian music, I want it to to remind me of something, encourage me, uh, challenge my thought process. You know, I, I want to be inspired. I want to be moved, and and really, the only way um, to do that is for our songs to be, as writers, for our songs to be informed by the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I I always come back to the scriptures, and uh, you know, uh, most of the time, my songs are just sort of an outpouring of what I'm reading in the scriptures, what I'm learning, what I'm wrestling with, uh, those things end up in music. Yeah. Me, well, me too. That's, that's where they come from. But I know you, you take it uh, so seriously that you're thinking about going to seminary. I am. <laughs> in fact, I, uh, it's, it's pretty serious right really? now. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, and, and you inspired a lot of that oh. in me, just seeing what you know and, and seeing how you can not only write songs, but books um, about the the concepts that you're wrestling with mm-hmm. has really kind of inspired me to think, you know, I would love to be able to do that as, as well. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the things that you see out in the world as you, uh, you know, minister to people and, and talk with people and hear their stories is, is how little uh, a lot of people know yeah. about what the Word says, yeah. um, how they get their sort of feeding these days from, you know, social media uh, nice. or from, you know, yeah, little short pithy quotes that they see on social media or from worship songs. And um, that that a lot of times, you know, I love worship music, but it doesn't always have uh, the deepest theology. And so I always think, how how can we continue to inspire people to dig into Scripture? And mm-hmm. how can we how can we do that through, you know, not only the music, but also through, you know, the written word of, of books. And so what it, all of that to say, what it really inspires me to, to understand is that I do not know enough, so I want to learn more. Mm, interesting. This may be elementary to say, but I get the impression from both of you that you don't go to the Scriptures looking to be inspired to write a song. You go to the Scriptures for what the Scriptures teach you, first of all. Right, right. right. You find something you're Absolutely. excited about. And, and it's interesting how putting into a song helps you understand it in a different way. I was working on a song the other day. I can't remember. It was for this Hesed record, and I, I changed a word, and so I had to find a different word to rhyme with the, you know, the the next line that came up, and it shifted the meaning of everything, and I realized something I never realized because I was looking for a word that I changed it from understand to understood, and then then the I forget what the rhyme ended up being, but it, it ended up being a whole new level a simple of meaning. Change like that, yeah. And I and I I'd never thought of that before, but I had to think of that to make the rhyme work. Does that ever happen to you, Jenny? Oh, it does. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it sounds maybe it sounds a little conceited, but I feel like God always speaks to me through my songwriting, yeah. like. He, you know, it's almost like the words that I labor over then speak to me or, or come back to haunt me sometimes, you know, but it, it's, it is that same thing, just working it out and then going, oh, yes, that's what that means, yeah. you know. Um, so it's fun to see how the Holy Spirit can just empower your songs. And I think it must. I think it must be something like uh, doing sermons because you know when you you know a pastor s- studies and puts together these points and that sort of thing. You, you know we're writing songs and we've got verses and choruses, and it really the form forces you to sort of distill things and say it you know as simply as possible or say it with, with as few words as possible. Sometimes it's it's deeper with fewer words. But the it's it the process helps you understand things in a different way, and I think that's to me that's really interesting. Somebody need, you need to write a book about that, Miss hmm. Owens. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> yeah, I think you no, could co-author that book. Hey, let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do that instead of that instead of you going to seminary. Stay here. I'm <laughs> I'm so afraid you're going to move off to New York and go to seminary. I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> oh no, no, no. It's I'm gonna. I will always be close to Nashville, yeah. no matter what happens. Okay. It's you know, it's a two-hour flight, so yeah. I'm I'll, I'll be close by. Well, let me just say this. Here's another sidebar. When my uh, my youngest daughter, Maggie, started writing uh, music, and she didn't want to write with me because she said the songs will end up sounding like your songs, which is apparently a bad thing in her mind. <laughs> uh, Jenny stepped up, and Jenny actually met with my daughter, Maggie, and wrote oh. some songs with her. So, I mean, so she don't she not only has the songwriting piece and the Bible piece, but she has the, the mentorship, discipleship piece. Wonderful. And it really meant so much to Maggie uh, that— 
you took her seriously enough to spend time with her. I think that was a, that was a big part of her learning to write. Well, you know, I feel like one of the greatest gifts I've been given is mentors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people like Mike, who have really poured into me and challenged me and said, you know, think of, of songwriting in this way or, you know, just, just had words of encouragement um, for me. So I feel like if I can do that for other artists, and, and Maggie's super mm-hmm. talented, so it's easy with her, but it's really been fun to uh, begin to pour in regularly to, to younger artists. And, you know, just sometimes it's just affirmation that they can do it. Um, and mm-hmm. then sometimes it's, you know, kind of challenging them to to think a little harder on something. You mm-hmm. know? So um, I'm so thankful that, you know, on my first few records, I wrote almost exclusively with significantly older writers, um, you know, so um, it, was, it was really good to just learn from people that um, that have been doing it for a while. So now I've been doing it for a while, and which is amazing since I'm only 25. Yes. But um, <laughs> since I've been doing it for a while, it's it's uh, fun to get to just share, you know, what little I, I know with, with younger folks that are now doing it. But in mentoring, don't you find that you have to be somewhat selective because there's so many who just want, you know, instant fame and have stars in their eyes about it. I'm, I mean, you sort those out pretty quickly, right, Jenny? You know, sometimes I do. <laughs> sometimes it's, I'm learning. That is that is definitely a, a challenge. But um, but it is, I don't know, I feel like the Lord has, has brought a lot of folks into my space that, um, you know, sort of were, were divinely appointed to be there. Yeah. So I have been very thankful to, you know, folks like Maggie um, and other young artists that, that I have, you know, just seen, you know, their desire to know God and to share Him with other people. Um, so there have been a few that um, I have seen that really do kind of want fame, but honestly, I'm not I'm not a terribly helpful writer for them. Yeah. So it, it kind of usually just plays itself out. And it's okay. I think you could have given that answer too, Mike. Well, deeply spiritual songs don't tend to bring you fame. So I think by <laughs> virtue of the way you write, yeah. you yeah. sort of exclude. And and I, I learned this with Bill Lane, the, the whole mentoring, discipling business, God brings those people to you. You don't come to someone and say, hey, I'm going to disciple you. You they, they come to you. And just recently I've started... I'm 61 now, and I've started praying, Lord, bring bring those people. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, mm-hmm. these young guys are coming up and saying, "Hey, could we get coffee? Could we?" And, and yeah. it's it's, it's really kind of, re- rewarding. It's isn't a it? neat thing. Yeah. It's a neat thing. Yeah, I know too. Hey, uh, Jenny, tell me about what's ahead. You've got a project called Remind Me. that's cooking, right? Well, I have. We're we're trying new experiments in these new days. So we are releasing singles every kind of six to eight weeks. So we have a new song called Remind Me, um, a big pop version and an acoustic version. Um, just all about that idea, you know, something that is very, very familiar in Bible passages, especially in the Psalms of just asking uh, God to help us remember, mm. remember His faithfulness, remember His goodness, remember the brevity of our lives. Um, so that song's out. And then, you know, we're always doing, I'm always into something fun, so have, um, a lot of fun things on um, on YouTube right now, kind of experimenting with some videos called How I See It and a new podcast with the same title. So mm. just into all kinds of adventures mm. at, at this moment. I'm glad to hear about that. I didn't know about the podcast or the YouTube yeah, channel, so yeah, we'll, we'll check that out. It's, it's, they're really good. Yeah, definitely. They're really good. Well, just kind of we have a couple of minutes left. You, you said, you know, we're going to do it this way now. What's, you know, what's changed in terms of, you know the the old way of ten song CDs and the playing it on the radio. I mean, what what does that look like now for you? Oh man, we might need another hour. Yeah. For that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm not totally sure. Uh, I think it is. You know, so uh, CDs are are becoming a thing of the past. Yes. And iTunes has even said it's going to go away in the next. Apple said it's going to take iTunes away in the next couple of years. I have not heard that. That's news to me. Yeah, I don't, I mean, who knows when it'll happen, but that's sort of what has been said. So mm-hmm. um, if, if that is the case and streaming is sort of the, the way that people will get music, it means, you know, attention spans are shorter, mm-hmm. everything is very single driven. 
Um, I think that will come back around. I think there will be a way around that, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we're all going to have to experiment to find it. So right now I'm, I'm, um, you know, sharing singles every, you know, like I say about every two months to just kind of see, you know, how it connects. And then we'll do an album at the end of the year, okay. I think, uh, as well. So we're just testing out all those different models to kind of see, you know, what works, what connects, um, and and I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it it is interesting to see um, people like you trying to figure out what do we do next. I'm I'm way behind the curve on that, so you're you're helping me out here. Thanks. Well, hey, yeah. sure. I um I'll, I'll tell you anything I learned. But <laughs> okay. I, I do think that that part of what I am learning because I I love to study some of the stuff. Well, I, I like to study it to a point. But what I keep discovering is there are so many trends and you have to sort of think about what does your audience need, you know, and yeah. so you want to be consistent for Good them point. instead of, you know, just chasing the trends. So yeah. that's what that's what I'm kind See, of trying to learn. And that's now. exactly what the kind of thing I need from you, because I knew, I knew you would you would apply that value system to trying to figure out what to do next. So it's not just <laughs> it's not just trying to hit the moving target. It's uh, how can I best serve the people, you know, that the God that God's given to me. Great point. Hey, what a delight to have you with us. Jenny Owens here. Thank you, Jenny. Well, thank you guys so much. It was an honor to chat with you. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm on the road now, but when I get home, you you said you've got some music waiting for me, and I've got a couple lyrical ideas. So uh, we'll we'll connect when I, when I get Perfect. back in a couple of days. All right. Well, voice memo coming your way. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm counting on your youthful enthusiasm, Miss Owens. Oh dear. All right. <laughs> well, I'll get to work. Work, work up that enthusiasm. <laughs> And we want to hear from both of you as you collaborate on those songs in the future. Ginny Owens here in the studio with Michael Card. What a delightful conversation with Ginny. I hope that you are listening and subscribing to this podcast on a regular basis. You can subscribe at iTunes.com. Today, musically, we heard Michael sing, Come Lift Up Your Sorrows, Jesus, What a Friend for Sinners. So if you have a song you'd like to hear in the program, just email us in the studio at michaelcard.com. Once again, that's in the studio at michaelcard.com. And of course... Many people ask about Michael's books and materials, his albums, his CDs, his concert schedule. All of that is available at the website, michaelcard.com. So check that out and pass the link along to others. And tell other people about the podcast that's been relaunched now here in the studio with Michael Card. You can do that by leaving a review at itunes.com. michaelcard.com or itunes.com for the podcast. I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week here in the studio.